As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so Matt, I remember that when I was a kid, uh, I once stayed up all night, and I was trying to figure out where exactly the sun went when it set. Then after a mm -hmm. while, it dawned on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> good. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey, I'm good, brother. Good. Good. A little, little hot, a little sticky, but other than yeah. that, I'm all right. Man, summer came early and it's coming with a vengeance. Um, I, I was outside watering the front flower bed the other day and my neighbor came out and he was like, looking good, man. I was like, thank you. Thank you. And then we started talking about how hot it was this early, you mm -hmm. know? And I was like, yeah, I had to break out the... um." the shorts a little early and now my pale legs are blinding everybody <laughs> and he started laughing and he goes you're gonna have to get some daisy dukes before long i said yep and i apologize if i'm out here in them next time you see me <laughs> and he started laughing he's like i'll just put on some shades i'm like there you go <laughs> short so short the pockets hang down yep exactly <laughs> exactly only thing cover my booty cheeks is the pockets so there, there's a picture you guys didn't want. <laughs> but to make it a little better. It's a question that nobody asked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, to make it a little better, we'll say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find some different shows to listen to. Um, we're proud members of the Podbelly Network, and we're proud to be associated with these shows. So go over there and check them out at podbelly.com. Uh, while you're on the Google machine and, and you're looking them up, go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales, and you can sign up to be a patron of graveyard tales. And we have three different levels, a one, a five and a 10. And if you are a $10 a month patron, you get the video versions of us recording these episodes with some outtakes and stuff in there that I would normally cut out for the audio. Plus, you get the video and audio versions of our weekly Patreon shows that we try to do. Um, and $5 members get the video and audio of those Patreon bonus episodes. 
um, and one dollar members just get the audio of it. So go over there. You can decide which level you want to be. We appreciate any level that you want to sign up at. All of it helps us. Um, don't think, oh, I can only do one dollar a month, so it's not going to help them. No, every little bit helps uh, because everything that you put into Patreon goes back to help the show. It helps us get equipment when ours dies because it does seem to die. Um, Mm -hmm. My webcam recently died, so I had to get a new webcam so we can keep doing these videos. Um, So you guys that sign up and become a patron, you're basically producers of the show, and we appreciate it very much. And we try to give you different, interesting little bonus episodes there um, that you wouldn't get that normal topic on a normal Graveyard Tales episode. Right. Right. And they're, they're a lot of fun. They're a little relaxed and things like that. So, you yeah. know, you should check it out. If you've, if you've been on the fence, now's a good time to pull the trigger, uh, give you something to, uh, a little extra to listen to while you're sitting out, you know, sunning and laying by the pool. Exactly. So patreon.com slash graveyard tales. And there is an RSS link that when you sign up, you can plug that link into your pod catcher that you use and it'll, automatically import all of our patreon episodes into it so you can listen to them just like you would normally listen to one of our main episodes make it easier that way now the video versions you do have to watch there but the audio will be in your podcatcher so matt that's all i've got for the intro graveyard keeping of of the whole deal so why don't you tell us what are we talking about tonight brother Okay, so tonight, Adam and I are going to look into a haunted place out in Arizona. <laughs> Put on your rainbow shades. Got some <laughs> we, oceanfront property in it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So tonight's show will be full of songs about Arizona. I think we've hit the two, the only two that I know for yeah, sure. Yeah, the, the main two that matter, yeah. <laughs> but we're going to be talking about uh, Vulture City. Uh, which is an old mining town, which was essentially abandoned when the mine shut down and is now a very active ghost town, literally and figuratively. Right. And there's no songs about Vulture City, just to tell you. No, that. I know. And it's got it's got the perfect name. I know, man. I mean, if I was going to, you know what I thought of when I, when I saw all the the when we were looking at it and I saw the pictures of the city and the, and the signs and stuff, it reminded me of like what they would name the old West town in Looney Tunes cartoons. Oh yeah. That were kind of yep. set in the old West. It always had ridiculous names by vulture city. I remember one that was, uh, it said donut center. What a hole. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and it would just kind of it was just kind of that subtle joke but i thought vulture city that's what uh that's what this reminds me of yeah is is the name of an old west town in the looney tunes yeah exactly so as always we got to talk about the history of it but again as always go check our sources and you can find where we found all this information um you can continue the the research there if you if you find it interesting you think you know i want to learn a little bit a little bit more about it then go down to the bottom of our show notes you can find our sources and this is where everything comes from and so you can you can go down there and continue that research um but 
we we got to like always lead in with the history because the history is important to understanding the hauntings and the activity that is supposedly there now. Now, um, the sources I have say that as early as 1000 BC in Arizona, native inhabitants use cinnabar, coal, turquoise, and clay, um, different pigments and other minerals. So they would have to do small scale mining for these. So the, the, native people of Arizona as far back as a thousand BC were doing mining in Arizona, which I thought was really interesting. You know, I got a question. I saw this in your notes and and I, and I meant to look it up, but I never did. What is Cinnabar? It sounds like uh, a Cinnabon store that sells alcohol. It does. Welcome um, to the Cinnabar. All right. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a toxic mercury sulfide mineral. Um, oh. And it says it is the only important ore of mercury. It has a bright red color that's caused people to use it as a pigment and carve it into jewelry and ornaments for thousands of years. So if you see old jewelry that is a bright red color, that's usually cinnabar or if they've tinted their pottery red, they're probably using cinnabar if they're in the areas where it uh, can be found. Oh, so, okay. So that makes sense. I, that that makes me wonder: is it is it safe to use? It is a an ore of mercury. Is, I don't. I wonder. I wonder if mercury in that state is safe. I I, I don't think it's a. From my understanding, I don't think it's a big problem as far as jewelry, but if you're using it on earthenware that you're eating off of and drinking off of, it probably causes some issues. Yeah, it would leach into yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I, right. I I think as a as a jewelry, you're fine, but yeah. just don't lick cinnabar and and yeah, you know. hey, graveyard tales a uh, uh, little message there for you don't lick the cinnabar that's right and don't ever let anybody tell you that this show is not educational exactly okay? exactly <laughs> we may be stupid but we're not completely stupid <laughs> we'll give you some facts occasionally <laughs> you know you can use that in your daily life yeah yeah oh that's ancient red ornament that must be made of cinnabar and then you'll look real smart or if it's we not don't eat it yeah, <laughs> don't lick the jewelry. But if it's not cinnabar, then you'll look like an idiot. So I, I mean, it, it's a toss up. <laughs> no, it's probably lead paint. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not as old as you think it is. It's from the fifties. It's only lead paint. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Spanish explorers ended up coming in a little bit later, um, and they actually did some mining there too for gold. But they were also looking for those fabled lost cities of gold while they were there. So it, it's it's known for having its gold deposits and stuff. Now, as, as Matt mentioned in the beginning, Vulture City, Arizona was once a popular gold mining camp. And it's now a ghost town that's located at the site of the defunct Vulture Mine in Maricopa County. And you you hear Maricopa County all the time. You know, that that's a pretty well-known county in Arizona. 
Um, but in 1862, Henry Wickenburg, a former California gold rush prospector, traveled with several other men to look for gold in Arizona. In 1863, he came across a quartz outcropping that contained gold. Now, a claim was soon staked, and Vickenberg began to work the mine by himself. And he named his mine for the many vultures that were in the area. So, he saw a bunch of vultures, and he's like, I'm going to call it the vulture mine. Perfect. Yeah. Not very creative, but... It works. Now, before long, Wickenberg decided that he didn't want to do the physical work himself. (laughs) Yeah, I bet that didn't take long. No, I'm sure it didn't. Um, So he allowed other miners to work the vulture mine for a flat fee of $15 a ton. I get, you know, back then, not bad. Now, I, $15 a ton, you're not getting me in a mine to do that. That's, <laughs> no. That's not enough. We'll we'll discuss all the problems inherent with mining here in a minute. But um, Now, soon, a community developed around the mine, which became known as Vulture City. So in 1866, Henry sold an 80% interest in the mine for $85,000 in exchange for a $20,000 down payment with the balance to be paid via a promissory note. He moved northward, setting on a a ranch site near the town which bears his name today. So he moved just a little north, got a a ranch, and that's where he stayed letting other people work. Uh, Now, another man who came to the area about the same time was Jack Swilling, A former Confederate officer, Swilling was a visionary who seized the chance to clear out the ancient irrigation canals the Hohokam Indians had dug generations ago near the Salt River Valley. Henry Wickenburg helped to finance the Swilling Irrigation and Canal Company in the fall of 1867. The Ditch Project, which later became the Salt River Project, led to the development of central Arizona's agricultural communities, including Phoenix, as well as providing water for the operation of the vulture mine. So that dude, that dude did a lot for yeah. central Arizona. Yeah. He, he, he knew what needed to be done. And if you're from Arizona or you go to Arizona, you realize how important water is. It's like, right. it's like going out to West Texas. You really realize how important a little bit of water is when you spend any time out there. Now, by the late 1860s, the Vulture Mine was described as, quote, the largest and richest gold mine in Arizona. Between 1868 and 1871, the Vulture Mining Company poured money into developing the property and workmen built an office, dwelling house, and a store. At the mill site, they put up offices, a warehouse, a boarding house, and several other buildings. Now, a 12-acre garden was planted along the river to raise vegetables to support about 150 men who were working at the site. So it became a full-fledged operating town at that point with its own garden and all that. Now, though the mine was doing well, it was isolated and vulnerable to Indian attacks. In its earliest years, the miners were fortunate because they had little trouble 
But that changed in 1868 when the Apache began to harass the miners, forcing the Vulture Mining Company to employ men to escort ore and supply trains traveling to and from the mine. Now, I have to jump in here and say, if you came into the Apache area and just started taking land and mining the land, you should probably expect they're going to not like that. Right. And they're going to, quote, unquote, harass you for doing that. I mean. Harass. That makes it sound like they're going, hey, can can we have our land back? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, pardon me. I'd like to talk to you about uh, our land and what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. We don't appreciate it, and we've signed it. No, nope. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> that's the, not how it worked. The Apache were known as, as a pretty brutal, tough tribe. You know, uh, a, a warring tribe. So I can imagine the attacks that the Apache did on the these miners was pretty brutal. But yeah. again. You've got to expect that. I mean, if if yeah, if I didn't first exactly, I was gonna say if I didn't know you, Matt, and you just came into my house and started digging in my backyard or something, I'm going to yeah. quote unquote harass you <laughs> to leave yeah. my property. So, I mean, the the way it's written, it it makes it sound like I don't know why they were harassing us. Um, yeah. I know. <laughs> You know, too, dummy. Now, this goes on to say that in in 1869, most of all the animals were stolen. And in September, three men were killed. So Apache raids weren't the only problem at the mine, they say. But as uh, many of the miners, mill hands and teamsters were known to be guilty of, quote, high grading or stealing gold ore. So. I mean, you got a bunch of people working gold ore. This gold is worth a lot of money. They're pulling it out. There's many stories from many different mines and all that of people pocketing gold nuggets and then taking Mm -hmm. and selling it uh, on their own for money. I mean, you got to expect if you're not paying them a lot, they got to make ends meet somehow so i don't condone stealing from your employer but you got to understand that that's why this uh what they call it high grading happened well and you know there was minimal supervision here Mm -hmm. i mean you know that uh they they were just they were just working working the mind for a a guy that had, had basically created another town and moved there (laughs) yeah yeah so you know it's kind of out of sight out of mind i'm i'm sure he he, well i mean he did he had people there that that was their job is to make sure that people weren't stealing but you know in a in a miner's mind at that time how they gonna miss it yeah yeah that's true i mean we're 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 getting paid $1,500, a ton, a ton. Mm-hmm. How are they going to miss this? Yeah. You know, if, An if ounce. I shove it in my pocket yeah. and go home with it. Yep. So, and, it, you know, but even, even still, you know, they, they weren't getting rich, you know, by any no. means, 
by stealing small amounts of gold, it was, you know, just greedy. Yeah. But that's going to that's going to play into why why Vulture City would be haunted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it it's it's got a direct connection as to, as to why people report the things that they do in Vulture City. Now, by 1872, the mine's principal ore body was worked out, and which means it was they got everything they could out of the the principal deposit of gold that they found. And during the financial panic of 1873, the Vulture Mining Company, which was heavily in debt, closed down the mine and the mill. Now, up until this time, Henry Wickenburg remained a partner in the operation, though the company never paid on the promissory note, claiming that Wickenburg did not have a clear title to the property. Unfortunately, Henry Wickenburg would not share in the wealth that the mine produced. So that that'll make you mad. <laughs> yeah. Now, over the next several years, there were several attempts made to reopen the mine as several mining companies probed deeper and worked the old mine tailings. Now, the building of the Southern Pacific Railroad from Yuma across southern Arizona rekindled more interest in the Vulture mine as transportation cost had been a major factor in the Vulture company's cost. Though the railroad was about 50 miles to the south, investors saw the possibility of branch lines and the future of the mine brightened in 1878 in walked the central arizona mining company along with new workmen by uh, 1880 vulture city boasted an 80 stamp mill crushing its ore an essay office blacksmith shop several boarding houses carpenter shop a cookhouse mess hall laundry offices saloon stores multiple small homes, a school, and warehouses. So it grew considerably in that short time. Now, a new pumping plant along the Haseampa River moved water along a pipeline to the mine. A post office opened in Vulture City on October 4th, 1880, with Henry Wickenburg as the first postmaster. So all Henry's still around. Yeah. Still and he's doing the his thing. Postmaster General. Yep, exactly. Which I mean, back then that was quite a title to have. Yeah. In a in a town, yeah. being the postmaster, you, I mean, it's still pretty important. You get everybody's mail and have to make sure it goes the right place. All this other stuff, but a post office back in them days, that that would that made a town or broke a town, depending on if you had a post office. <laughs> It's that's true. Now, though, the Central Arizona Mining Company had high hopes and predicted positive returns to its investors. They suffered management and financial problems. And in 1883, it was the last year of major operations when the mine produced slightly over two hundred and ten thousand dollars, but paid no dividends to its investors. That's a bad thing. If you're not yeah. paying your investors money, that's a quick way to uh, go downhill. <laughs> yeah, that's bad form there. Yeah, right. Now, at this point, Vulture City consisted of several stores, a Wells Fargo office, post office, school, and several houses. 
One writer of the time described the settlement as, quote, a neat village and praised the town for its free reading hall and literary society. In 1884, the Central Arizona Mining Company closed its operations and leased the property. With high debts, the company soon became embroiled in litigation. In March 1887, famed Leadville, Colorado silver mining millionaire Horace A. Tabor purchased the Vulture Mine. For the first time in its history, the mine had an experienced and financially secure owner. However, exactly one year after his purchase, Tabor was stunned by the robbery of a of a gold shipment on the road from Wickenburg to Phoenix. On March 19th, a gang attacked and killed the mine superintendent and two guards before making off with a gold bar valued at $7,000. Tabor immediately announced that he would pay a $1,000 reward for each bandit captured and the return of the shipment. Territorial authorities also posted a reward and a Maricopa County posse gathered to pursue the robbers. Within just a few days, the posse tracked the bandits, killing one of them, and recovered the gold. So all that, you recover $7,000, but you only get $1,000 per head. Mm-hmm. It, I, you know. It's a lot of money, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, back then, that was a, that was a lot of money. Um, and And for him to offer a reward that is essentially... If they got both of them, you know, uh, almost uh, essentially a third mm-hmm. of uh, of what the value of the gold was, um, he was offering that in a reward just to get it back. Yeah, it, it was more the principle of the thing, I think, than the, the money itself. Exactly, because if you let them get away with it, now you're a target. Yep, yep. So this next little part I've got, it doesn't necessarily apply directly to the Vulture City Mine, but it's interesting enough, and I found it while I was doing this research that I wanted to discuss it pretty quickly, and it's women in mining, because you go back that far, you don't think about women in the mining industry. You know, they... Right. Certainly not around this time. No. Um, Now, this says, while rare, women were not totally absent in the Arizona mines of the Old West. Jenny Hilton was described as, quote, the only active miner of her sex in the United States in March 13, 1896. Um, There was an article that was on the sale of her share in the southwestern Arizona mine in the Santa Fe Daily New Mexican back then. So that was interesting. Um, One of the most famous of Arizona's mining women was Nellie, the Angel of Tombstone Cashman. I like that nickname. The Angel of Tombstone. Tombstone. Yeah, that's cool. That's a a good nickname. And her last name's Cashman. And she's in mining. That, I mean, you're mining (laughs) gold and and your name is Cashman. I I like it. Um, She was known for being honest and caring in mining communities in Arizona and other territories. According to her biography on the um, Alaska Mining Hall of Fame's website, Cashman was knowledgeable about geography and made accurate predictions about ore deposits. Um, She made her fortune selling supplies and equipment to the miners. So she was smart enough to be able to tell these miners where the ore was going to be looking at the geography of the land there. And 
that that's not an easy feat without detecting equipment or anything. You just have to know if the ground looks like this or the rocks look like this on the top, then there's going to be gold underneath. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing for anybody um, mm-hmm. to be able to do even now. Yeah, I was going to say maybe even more so now with the sophistication of the equipment that is available, you know, for somebody to still have a skill where they can, yeah. you know, just look at it and say, I'm, I know what the equipment says. I'm betting if we check there, that's where we're going to find it. I mean, that's, that's brilliant. Oh yeah. I mean, to, yeah. To, to, to have that kind of knowledge. And, and at this time, you know, in, in this era, it was invaluable. Mm-hmm. Very much so. You know. Now, I wanted to look at this will tie again, something else that will tie almost directly into what Matt's going to talk about. But mm-hmm. we need to look at the dangers of mining. And most people think, well, mining, you might get trapped underground or blow yourself up. But there's a lot more dangers than just crushing indist- uh, injuries back then. Right, right. Now, it says mineral mining is among the world's most hazardous occupations. Life in a mining camp wasn't easy. In addition to the hard work, miners had to deal with the threats of raids from Native Americans, as well as bands of robbers looking to steal their hard-earned wealth. So, like we discussed, you got robbers coming in, and they'll kill you to get the gold ore that you just worked all day to dig out of there. Um, But disease, floods, fires, and injuries were um, also constant threats. Now, from 1888 to 1900, hundreds of people died of typhoid fever, according to the Arizona Memory Project documents. So just, I mean, the sanitary conditions of mining camps weren't that great. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're out in the desert. Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of have to have to. It was twofold because you kind of had to know, um, you know, what a, a little bit about bacteria and food storage and where are you going to send people to go to the bathroom and all that, which they didn't they didn't understand. At least miners at that time didn't have a, mm-hmm. a, a working knowledge of that. Um, but but also, um. You're you're just out there in such harsh conditions, away from any kind of medical care. Yep. Really. Yep. I mean, I, in all, I don't know if you saw it, Adam, but in anything that I was researching, I didn't see anything about physicians that no. were that lived or were paid to to work in a mining town nope. to provide care to these workers. They it just I've never. It may have been. But there's nothing documented about it, and they document about everything else. So I figured you would have at least seen in that list of all the stuff the town had a doctor's office. Right, right, and it, it was it was rare for there to be a doctor in a pop up mining town. Usually, the doctors were in the bigger, more established towns. Right. So if a town like Vulture City was there long enough and and was booming enough, you would have doctors move in. But until then, you just had to deal with injuries and disease the old school home remedy method and for some of the diseases i'm going to talk about here in a second those home remedies did not work Mm -mm. (laughs) 
no, well, typhoid. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. damn, I mean, it wouldn't. You weren't gonna, you know, go go grab a cactus and mix up a POTUS, and it was gonna fix your typhoid. Yep. Nah, that wasn't yep. gonna work. Elderberries don't work for typhoid fever. Sorry. <laughs> um, I going through the uh, herbalism training and stuff that I did. There's nothing I found that would cure typhoid. You know, I could clear a bladder infection or urinary tract infection, but I can't fix your typhoid. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Mary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you get that joke, we can be friends. Um, <laughs> now, this says that some miners were injured in explosions or electrocuted. So like we said, you know, there's that threat as well. Because you're using dynamite and stuff to explode parts of the rock to be able to get to the ore. So there's going to be people injured that way. Now, others fell off ladders, slipped on rocks. They inhaled inhaled silica dust, which if you know anything about that, that's some bad stuff. Silica dust in the lungs, that, that'll hurt. Um, or they suffered from mercury, lead, or arsenic poisoning. And I'll talk about the mercury here in a second. Uh, Many got sick from drinking dirty water and living too close together. So just like Matt was saying, the germ theory was not common knowledge in mining camps. So they dump mining water in their drinking water stream, and they don't realize that that's going to cause you to get ill. They poop upstream, and, you know, uh, Bill has explosive diarrhea and he goes to the stream to take care of it as somebody's drinking downstream from him yeah oh you know so it it just as disgusting as that is it happened in places so um now miners faced immediate dangers as well as health problems that developed over time the health problems of gold miners who worked underground included uh decreased life and in expectancy why couldn't i say expectancy i don't know i was going to say inspectancy and that's not a word <laughs> not so yet we make not, it work. yeah graveyard tales first we're we're adding stuff to the dictionary here inspectancy um they had oh i know why because the next word is increased uh-huh. so uh mm-hmm. that they um suffered from increased frequency of cancer of the trachea the bronchus, lung, stomach, and liver, just due to the chemicals that they were around and the silica dust, and you breathe in ore, the ore dust enough, it's going to cause lung cancer, trachea cancer. Um, they suffered from increased frequency of pulmonary tuberculosis, silicosis, and pleural diseases. Um Increased frequency of insect-borne diseases such as malaria and dengue fever. So you got to think. They don't have the DEET and stuff out there, and they're living in tents or just you're in a damp environment like a mine. You're going to have mosquitoes breeding, and you're going to be getting bit by these mosquitoes, and it's going to cause malaria and everything else. Uh, They suffered from noise-induced hearing loss from the explosions, increased prevalence of certain bacterial and viral diseases, and diseases of the blood, skin, and musculoskeletal systems. 
So it it was not a good um a good thing to be a miner back then. You probably got paid pretty well compared to other jobs, but it was hard work. Yeah. Um now I said I'd talk about mercury and gold mining. Now, mercury has been used for centuries as an inexpensive and easy way to collect gold. So this is why people would get mercury poisoning. The process begins when miners pump a mixture of water and sediment from a riverbed into a trough where the sediment can be suspended into a slurry. This is a technique that's known as hydraulic mining. So they they would do this in mines, too, where they would put all this ore and dust into a trough with water. And then they would add mercury, and it mercury binds to the gold particles forming an amalgam. Now, this mercury mm-hmm. is heavier than pure gold, so the balls of this amalgam would sink to the bottom of buckets or the holding ponds or the trough uh, where they could then be collected. Finally, workers would burn off the mercury, often with a hand torch or a crude stove, leaving gold metal behind. So, you got to think. They're touching the mercury to extract the this mercury gold amalgam. Then they're burning mercury. I guarantee you they're inhaling the this fumes. burning mercury fumes. Yeah. And so they end up with mercury poisoning. Sure. And Going insane out there. Yeah. So if you ever thought, hey, I want to travel back in time and be a gold miner in the 1800s, don't do it change what past life profession you're going to have because it caused a lot of death and disease and pain around these mines and in the mining town oh yeah yeah so i mean you know we're, we're talking about how how life was and we've we've touched on mining in other episodes before but i think you know this this really gives you an idea of how bad these conditions were so, you know, because of this, there was a lot of death. And, and much like we've talked about, when we talk about medieval castles, when we've talked about haunted hospitals, those any area that is just surrounded by death will have a greater tendency to be haunted. I mean, that's like, it seems like common sense, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of it depends on the nature of the death. And, and the energy that it would leave behind. You know, now, you know, dying of typhoid or mercury poisoning or something, it, it's not just like, oh, I'm sick, I'm dead. It's not that way. There's a lot of suffering involved. Um, and I'm sure there was a lot of fear because they're all doing the same dangerous work. And then all of a sudden, Joe over here, he is deathly ill, you know, He's got it coming out of both ends. His skin's got this weird color to it. Uh, uh-huh. He's he's hurting. Uh, is that going to happen to me? Chances are, yes. Um, you know, maybe not today or maybe not tomorrow. But if you stick with this line of work, there's a really good chance it's going to happen to you. So that produces a lot of emotion. And I mean, you know, these are old rugged miners in the late 1800s. You know, they're not going to sit around and cry and whine. They're just going to do the work. Joe, Joe kicked the bucket over here. We got to keep working. Um, You know, and they all kind of knew, you know, this work is going to take my life eventually. So when you have that kind of, uh, you know, 
hot, wet blanket just laid over top of everything, it's going to produce some negative energy. And the other aspect of this is when Adam was talking about, you know, they, um, you know, they killed a guard and stole a $7,000 gold bar and they chased these dudes down and killed them, took the bar back or at least killed one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I said, you, you can't let them get away with it or you're going to become a target. So all these guys that were high grading, you know, the guys that said, ah, they're never going to miss this. And they shove that gold nugget down in their, in their pants pocket. Um, you know, you got 200 miners and if, if they all take a, um, a little chunk of gold every now and then, um, that's eaten into your profits. Yeah. And if you let them get away with it, it they're going to continue to eat into your profits. And then you're running a mine that you're not making near as much money as you could. Um, so what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what they did in Vulture City. Um, they hung these guys. Um, yep. You know, they hung them right there. And it wasn't a pleasant uh, experience because based on the research that I did, um, I learned that they, they didn't build a gallows. You know, this wasn't like a, uh, you know, a, a big, nice nicely built framed gallows with the floor that dropped out. Uh-uh. Nope. They hung them from a tree and they would put them sometimes on the top of a, either on horseback or even standing on a rock. Okay. A rock where they might be just high enough to be off the ground when they took the rock away. And sometimes um, one of the videos I watched, they said they would actually be able to touch a little bit with their tiptoes. Okay. Yeah, that's- so they would, that process of, of dying in that hot sun, sometimes it would take 20 minutes. It could take two hours. Yeah. I was going to say that just, it, that prolongs the death. So here you are a miner who was thinking about shoving a gold nugget in your pants, uh, to maybe get a little bit of extra money and you walk by the tree on the way to your, your, your job and there's Joe and, and he's just sitting there struggling, dying. And you uh-huh. see this and you go, why is Joe hanging from the tree? They, he had a, he had some gold dust shoved in one of his gloves. Um, really? So it's going to make you think twice about, you know, nabbing a little bit of extra as you're leaving work for the day. You you go quickly empty your your pockets back out in the mine, and you're like, well, never mind. That's it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, this was this was not this was a lawless area. Um, Gloria Hinkle, who owns the Wickenburg uh, Legends and Ghost Tours, with her son Scott Taylor, says that back then Wickenburg was a vigilante town. There mm-hmm. wasn't a lawman for years and years. And they actually had two hanging trees, one in town and another out by the mine. Wow. I said, and it wasn't very nice. As I said, you know, it it was a, it was a gruesome process and you know, it it would take a long time for these folks to die, Mm -hmm. but all that suffering, you can kind of, you, you can experience in voices sightings of orbs, 
and other activity that's been reported around the vulture mine. Um, and now the town is just a collection of uh, shuttered outbuildings and workshops that were used to support the mine. Um, you know, and, it, and it's funny because the location, the mine itself, Vulture City as a town, and Henry Vickenberg have been the subject of magazine articles and TV shows and everything for years. But because of the time that we're talking about, it becomes difficult to separate fact from fiction. What's what what's actual occurrences and what's just legend that yeah. developed as these miners would uh, would sit around at night or they would bunk together uh, and they would they would kind of share these stories and pass the time. Um, a, a lot of times, you know, it, it it just those those little legends become accepted as fact because they were told so often and in such detail. So it, it really becomes hard to separate the two and, and there's no real documented record. You're, you know, they don't keep record of vigilante hangings, you know? So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, there's, you know, and they surely weren't going to mark these graves. Um, you know, it's surprising that they even took the time to bury him at all. It's a wonder they didn't just pitch him out in the desert and and let the scavengers have at him. Yeah, no joke. I'm I'm kind of shocked. Yeah. Or that they didn't have like a, a mass grave. Yeah. Where they just well open pit where they dumped bodies. That they kind of did. Uh, um, because they believe that they buried these people that were hanged or people that just randomly died under one of these two hanging trees. Um, so I think I read, uh, and I've, I've got it in my notes somewhere as we go. Uh, you know, they estimated that there's probably somewhere around 90 people buried there, hmm. you know, just around these trees. So, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a mass grave in the term of, we're just going to throw you all in the same hole. And when it gets full, we'll fill it in with dirt. You know, it was just one spot, and they just okay. We'll just dig next to this one and chunk him in. Um, but uh, but but Gloria Hinkle says that all of this um, plays into the activity that she has experienced there. Hinkle says that one night she was out there at the mine and she was showing people around, and they were recording down in the closed abandoned pit. And they started capturing some EVPs in German, hmm. which, you know, of course, was the native tongue of Henry Vickenberg, yep. which is kind of cool because we said this in an episode before. I don't remember which one. We were talking about how it was funny that on a lot of these shows where they have EVPs, they always wind up being English. You know, they're, they're out there in some uh, Austrian castle and there's like, get out. <laughs> like yeah wait a minute yeah. would they have actually said the words get out what would it have not been in another language um you know we we kind of talked about that but yeah. yeah to get some evps in a mine that was essentially discovered by a german immigrant in german that's that's very interesting yep it, it lends a little more credence to it now the uh the essay office the essay essay Come on, essay. Yeah, um, I'm. I think I it's a say. I think it's a I say. Think, 
Yeah, I think I um, pronounced it wrong earlier, but I think it's a say. And and I've read it so many times now. I I think it's, of course, a say is, you know, f- sorting out the purity of the ore that's mined. Mm-hmm. You know, how much gold is in this piece of rock? You know, is is it mostly iron? Is it mostly just shale or or slate, or is it mostly gold? Or is it leverite? <laughs> leverite, yeah. And yeah, just um, leverite there. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to just keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to let you. <laughs> but I think I think the person that was responsible for that was also given the title of the essay. So yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's used to describe the person that was in charge of that. Other ones, it's the the process and the building which they used. Anyway, nonetheless, just more education for you folks. There you go. Um, they said that the office there where this was done um, is it, it, kind of in the corner of the town, but they said there's a very negative feel, and they have captured voices there telling people to get out. Um, but Hinkle also says that there are cold spots, not only in that office, but all around the property. They said even if it's 105 degrees outside. Hmm. I mean, you know, we're talking about the Arizona desert. It gets hot. And for yeah, you to be able to go, that's a, that's a cold spot right there. Uh, that's a little bit different. You wouldn't expect that. Yeah. So it's so hot. You're hoping to walk into a cold spot of a haunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Man, I'm so hot. I need a ghost to crawl up my butt. Cool me yeah. off. <laughs> please walk through me like four times, spirit, please. But as, as Adam has mentioned, you know, miners often died in cave-ins. Uh, there were dozens that were hung from the hanging trees. Um, but there were also a lot of stories of rape and murder and just freak accidents in the mines and the surrounding town and towns, which gave Vulture City this this haunted legacy Mm-hmm. And and now that it's abandoned, it's, you know, it like I said, it is a figurative and literal ghost town. Yeah. Um, but one one of these stories is the story of a man named Jimmy Davis. Now, Jimmy got his arm caught in a piece of machinery and was then repeatedly flung into several pieces of heavy equipment, mm. which which they said broke every bone in his body before dropping him down dozens of feet into a mine shaft. Good Lord. But the worst part was Jimmy didn't die right away. Oh, that's what I, when you said the worst part, I was about to say it didn't kill him. It did didn't it? kill him. Oh. It took five hours for Jimmy to die. Okay? Oh, man. He cried and begged for mercy, being in excruciating pain. But it was no use. His body was way too far down to be recovered. And they say that the ghost of Jimmy Davis still haunts the mines. And his voice can be heard crying for help in the middle of the night. Hell, I would haunt that place, too, if that happened Hell to me. Yeah, man. You better believe just, it. Just fire a bullet down here. Something. No joke. <laughs> Throw a big rock down here. Mm-hmm. Something. <laughs> Anything. Don't let this last for five hours. Good grief. <laughs> God, it'd be awful. But um, some people have claimed 
to hear the sound of the pulley machine whipping around as if it were malfunctioning. Mm. That's a new one. Um, Now, paranormal investigators claim to have discovered Jimmy Spirit hanging around the mine's powerhouse, and his ghost has been seen at the entrance to the mine on several occasions. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you you get an event like that, it's going to leave a stain. Um, So it wouldn't surprise me, (laughs) you know, again, if that story is true. Yeah, right. Now, several other ghosts inhabit the mines, including ghosts of greedy miners who were killed for trying to steal the gold from the mine's owner. Uh, And their ghosts can be seen around the hangman's tree at night trying to protect the gold that they worked so hard to dig up. Now, 18 men were hanged on the hanging tree in Vulture. It was said that the men who were hanged took hours to die and were left to rot in the hot sun until they were buried near the tree. The ghosts of these high graders who were punished by death are still seen around the mines. And many tourists claim to have been harassed by the ghosts of the dead thieves. Here's this harass again. again. I don't think we've used the word harass in an episode hardly at all. You know, tonight is the record. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't remember saying it. Even in my normal life, as often as we have said it here. <laughs> it always reminds me of a joke. It's like a, an announcer at a at, at like a horse race. Reading off is like, number three, harass has been scratched from the race. Please don't forget to scratch harass. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I digress. But um but yeah, so so tourists claim that they've, you know, they've they've witnessed these these ghosts, these dead thieves, but they've also had rocks thrown at them while standing near the hanging tree. Hmm. They also hear footsteps scurrying around them when they're in that area, and some have even heard strange voices call them by name. Yeah. That would be freaky. Yeah. As always. So when you hear your own name in regards to a haunting, that's 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 always a little bit more than what most people could stomach. Yeah. Now, tourists and staff alike often hear footsteps creeping up behind them, strange disembodied voices whispering in their ears, and again, the ghostly apparitions wandering around the mines. Many often report shadows on the walls when no one else is there. The sounds of pickaxes striking the walls are also quite common. Now, groups investigating the mines have also reported having rocks being thrown at them through windows. So, you know, no, maybe no glass, but there's a window there and, you know, here comes a rock, you know, telling them, hey, get out. Um, That'd be crazy. the, The blacksmith shop that's there in Vulture City was another one of these where it was said that you, if you go into the blacksmith shop, you must respect the blacksmith. If you disrespect the blacksmith, he will let you know that you've upset him by banging on the walls very loudly. Oh, geez. Um, and he's also been known to throw a rock or two. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like every spirit there is, is a rock thrower. Yeah. Why not? I mean, 
what else do you got? I mean, you know, hang well, around yeah. the desert, throw a rock. Yep. That's true. There's not much else they can grab and <laughs> chuck at you. Yeah. So now there was a group of thieves that were killed in a freak accident, uh, and their ghosts are also believed to haunt Vulture City. Um, there was a particularly prosperous area near the head of the mine called the Glory Hole, and this was the site of much high grading once the main body of ore was dug out. Now, the miners would come around sunset and dig out the remaining ore near the support beams, and after a while, there was no rock to support the beams, and the glory hole collapsed. Oh, which, that, which trapped that's a and, bad day. Yeah, it trapped and killed seven men and 12 donkeys. That was a lot of people in one glory hole. <laughs> Man, we're trying. He's trying. He's I'm not way. going any further than that. But <laughs> as soon as I read it, I was like, hey, "Here he goes. Here he goes." I already <laughs> snicker. Oh yeah. <laughs> you say that set of words, I can't help but snicker. I'm I know, sorry. Oh, we're twelve. Oh yeah. But um, but they say that the bodies are still there, and the ghosts haunt the former glory hole. Uh, these apparitions can be seen around the head of the mine, and witnesses usually report cold spots and feelings of being watched. Now, what would a mining town be without a brothel? I, I really don't know. I, I guess probably a prosperous town that was yeah. very, very boring for these guys. Yep. Um, but the, yeah, the so, miners would keep more of their money. Yeah, I mean, that's that's right, you know. Um, but there was a, uh, a bordello and the funny thing is, is it was actually right up against the men's bunkhouse. So, I mean, you know, I was like, you didn't even have to walk across the street. You just kind of had to go in another door. Conveniently <laughs> located, yeah. I guess. Now it is said that if you go into the bordello and you speak the name of Mexican Rita, the activity in there will kick into high gear. Okay. Really? And it's not known if Mexican Rita was a prostitute there or if she was just another, you know, somebody that worked there, whatever. But the name they Madam think they take it to say, yeah, is Mexican Rita. Um, the schoolhouse is also reportedly haunted with visitors and investigators reporting shadow figures and sounds of children laughing. So, you know, this shows that, the, you know, it, it was a town. It wasn't just like a big mining camp, which kind of the way we discussed the, the everything around the mine, it sounds like it was just a big mining camp, but it, it was a functioning town. I mean, it had a post office. So there's yep. going to be other yep. people there. There's going to be people that, that settle there and have families. And, and the way they make their living is working in the mine. So they had to have a schoolhouse. And so there was a schoolhouse there. And, and you know, by God, it's haunted, too. Of course. <laughs> Kid ghost. <Ugh. laughs> I know. It's Adam's favorite. Now, one legend says that a man named Juan Ramos was hanged on the tree for murdering 15-year-old Sabrina Lucero, who had spurned his advances. Sabrina was buried in the nearby cemetery. Now, this is where it says 
It's believed that over 90 individuals are buried in the town cemetery and many more in unmarked graves. Yeah. So, I mean, there was quite a bit of people here. I think I read it one time. It, it had a population of around 5,000. You know, oh, that's so a it, lot. It was a big. It was a. It was a big town to have just started as one individual who discovered a mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, all of that. You know, here we are we're talking about a, a murder. Not only that, it, it it's a murder of a child. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're gonna put some negative marks on this area and probably see some residual hauntings as you know as effect of that. Now, of course, you know, you get this much activity in a, in a place as cool sounding as Vulture City and, and it's a, an actual ghost town. Our old buddies from Ghost Adventures, they took their turn a- investigating and they did capture quite a bit of activity out there. Now, while in the assay office, a rock was thrown through the window and hit Nick in the leg. Huh. So it was so either this is, a spirit this is old. or an angry cameraman. Yeah, right. This is old Ghost Adventures right, then if yeah. that Nick guy is still Nick's there. still on the show. Yeah. But, you know, on the show, it was just it was just the very beginning. Um, it seems that all over the grounds and in the buildings, they were able to ca- capture many voices, one of which was a woman's voice saying, what's that? And another was a man's voice who said, I want your money. Now, while Nick was in the vault, he recorded a voice telling him to take the gold. Their cameras caught the sound of someone walking with boots on, a man screaming, a female crying, and loud banging on the walls. But the old schoolhouse seemed to be haunted by spirits of children Uh, that once went there and many of the children died from influenza and other diseases. Yeah. Said, and this, this particular article says that of course, uh, Aaron, Aaron had his eye bulging moments when a child's voice was captured, making fun of him and a broken piano was heard playing. (laughs) But he makes fun of Aaron, you know? Oh, good. Good. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, we, we uh, you know, if it's, if it's some valid stuff, I will include the ghost adventures, um, investigation of it. And, you know, this was actually a pretty good one. Uh, like Adam said, it was an older episode. It was before it, it became so Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, what an interesting place. I mean, uh, if, if you, if you don't even believe all of the legends, People are still experiencing a lot of different paranormal activity when they go there and a yep. wide variety. I mean, everything from EVPs and disembodied voices to footsteps to actual physical contact. Um, you know, it even sounds like they've got the uh, potential of there being just a, a, a stone tape like replaying of a man's right. death. You can hear the machine. You can hear the screaming and the crying. Um, that's a that's a lot of varied activity, even full body apparitions. Um, so I mean, I, I think just like with a lot of these places, um, you know, some of it is going to be a lot of a lot of hearsay, a lot of 
yeah, oh yeah, it's haunted. When I was there, you know, I saw shadows and all that stuff. And you, uh-huh. you, you kind of get that feeling of, I really want to see something. I really want to experience something. And so you do. Right. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, not all of it, especially with the stories from staff members and, you know, the, the tour guides and things like that, because they're there so often. You know, that they've had plenty of days where it's just another routine job. You know, we're going to tell these stories, we're going to play it up, and nothing's going to happen. But yet, they are going to be the ones that if something's going to happen, they're going to be around often enough to experience it. And and I, I, I think in a lot of the cases, those tour guides are some of the best resources, not because they're playing it up. For, they don't own this. Um, right. You know, it, it doesn't make them a ton of money by telling some of these stories. Um, and they may embellish them a bit, but I think that they're the ones that experience it the most mm-hmm. in these situations. And so I think they're really good resources. I did look on TripAdvisor for this place. Um, there really wasn't anything talking about hauntings. Um, there was a lot of uh, things talking about that it was kind of creepy because it was a ghost town. Um, but it has been somewhat refurbished. Um, so it, it's not, you're, you're not walking into something that looks unkempt. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not, not dirty. Dilapidated and- yeah. Um, you know, it, it has been restored to give it an appearance of how it would have looked when it was operational. Um, right. which, you know, that's okay. You know, they, they did, uh, they, I, I did read one article where they said they they rebuilt part of of part of one of the buildings with stone and and rock mined right there. Um, hmm. So if as if the people that lived in that town were going to have done the work themselves, that's exactly how they would have done it. So right. at least they kind of keep believe, it true to history, right? And if you believe the stone tape, then those stones would. You're not bringing in memories or or anything from another site. It right. would all be contained memories from that area. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Um, I had personally never heard of Vulture City when Adam mentioned it to me. Um, but I'm sure some of our listeners have. Um, yeah. and I'm sure there's folks in Arizona that, that know about it. And, and maybe we've even got some folks that have been there. Um, we'd love to hear about it. If you've got some stories I, yeah. or some opinions, I'd love to see the pictures too. Oh, I know. I know. And there's, there's a lot of pictures online. If you want to, when you listen to the show, if you think, wow, this place sounds pretty cool. Um, I, I did a, uh, a virtual tour, um, where, you know, you could actually see the buildings, the old mine and, and kind of gave you a feel of what it looked like. Um, but yeah, if, if you've got pictures of this place where you visited, um, sharing them with us would be greatly appreciated. And one of the best places to do that is in our Facebook group. Um, just go to Facebook, search graveyard tales. Um, our Facebook group is called the graveyard. Um, we've got thousands of members in there. It is a great place. It is a safe place. You can come talk about personal experiences. Um, because that's what everybody wants. Everybody just wants to hear, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll find some good humor. Nobody's going to be mean or hateful or call you a nut job. 
everybody just we're all interested in this stuff we love to hear really good good ghost stories and paranormal experiences yeah and make sure you uh answer the questions in the beginning right when you go to enter the group there'll be a, you'll see the list of group rules there's not many but there's there's a couple and it's mainly about being respectful and all that so make sure you read the group rules and then answer the questions because if you don't answer the questions we're probably not likely to <laughs> accept you in well uh, yeah it, it it's it's just one of those please do this kind of things for us yeah. when you go to enter the group. It lets us know that you are a actual human being. Exactly. And and not a bot that is going to try to sell something after every comment made, which mm-hmm. we've had that which happen had a couple that. of times. We we try our best to monitor uh that that that's the reason we do it. We're not trying to form an exclusive club. We're just trying to make it a good place. For you guys, we don't want y'all to have to deal with getting spammed to death by, yep. you know, somebody trying to, you know, sell you a, a used car warranty or something, you know, yep. we don't, hair we don't growth want. formula or something. <laughs> yeah. The newest piece of uh, exercise equipment. Uh-huh. Um, but when you're done there, you can slide over to our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And there on our site, you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise you can listen to the show and you can become a patron and you know for tonight's episode it'd be a big good one if you want to catch yeah. that video you're going to get a lot that uh, yep. that Adam is not going to edit out of that version yeah um, there's going to be some weird stuff that if you're just <laughs> listening to audio you you will completely miss that's right that's right so so like i said now's now's a good time to do it um and we appreciate everybody that has. We put that money right back into the show. Um, don't forget and rate and review us on iTunes. It brings us up the charts. It makes Graveyard Tales easier to find. And it just mm-hmm. brings more people into the graveyard. So, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. For those of you not watching the Patreon, this is why it's worth getting the video. Is because we just we just saw Adam's camera freeze while he's squirting some nose spray up his nose, <laughs> and so yeah. you have this you have this pause frame of Adam with this white thing just shoved up his nose. It's hilarious. Yeah, this is I'm telling you, it's it's and absolutely worth it. You, you I, want I, to see this. Yeah, I'm leaving it in for the Patreon people so you'll get to see all the awkward camera freezes that I've had.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.